Hello, and welcome to Learn on the Run, a lifetime learning service from the UVA Office of Engagement. What is the defining decade for adulthood? That's the question asked by Meg Jay, Assistant Clinical Professor in the UVA Curry School of Education, in this talk from the More Than the Score lecture series. Jay shares her research on what psychologists, sociologists, neurologists, human resources executives, and reproductive specialists know about the unique power of the 20-something years and how they shape lives. I want to start today by telling you about a study. It's a rare study of lifespan development where researchers at Boston University and University of Michigan examined dozens of life stories written by prominent, successful people toward the end of their lives. They were interested in what are called autobiographically consequential experiences, or the circumstances and people that had the strongest influence on how life unfolded thereafter. While important events took place from birth until death, those that determined the years ahead were most heavily concentrated during the 20-something years, with 80% of life's most defining moments taking place by age 35. It would make sense that as we leave home or college, we experience a burst of self-creation, and what we do determines who we will become. It might even seem like adulthood is one long stretch of autobiographically consequential experiences, that the older we get, the more we direct our own lives. This is not true. In our 30s, consequential experiences start to slow. School will be over, or nearly so. We will have invested time in careers or made the choice not to. We or our friends may be in relationships and starting families. We may own homes or have other responsibilities that make it difficult to change direction. As 30-somethings and beyond, we largely continue with or correct for the moves we made during our 20-something years. Researchers in this same study found that most of the substantial and lasting events, those that led to career success, family fortune, personal bliss, or lack thereof, developed across days or weeks or months with little immediate dramatic effect. The importance of these experiences was not necessarily clear at the time, but in retrospect, the subjects recognized that these events had sharply defined their futures. To a great extent, our lives are decided by far-reaching 20-something moments we may not realize are happening at all. As a clinical psychologist who specializes in adult development and in 20-somethings in particular, I've seen countless 20-somethings spend too many years living without perspective. What is worse are the tears shed by 30-somethings and 40-somethings because they're now paying a steep price professionally, romantically, economically, reproductively for their lack of vision in the 20s. The 20-something years are real time and ought to be lived that way. A 30, is the new tw- a 30 is the new 20 culture has told us that the 20s don't matter. Freud once said, love and work, work and love, that's all there is. And these things take shape later than they used to. By the new millennium, only about half of 20-somethings were married by age 30, and even fewer had children, making the 20s a time of newfound freedom. For hundreds of years, 20-somethings have moved directly from being sons and daughters to being husbands and wives. But within just a few decades, a new developmental period opened up. 
waking up every day somewhere between their childhood homes and their own mortgages, 20-somethings aren't sure what to make of the time. Almost by definition, the 20s have become a betwixt and between time. Some say the 20-something years are an extended adolescence, and others call them an emerging adulthood. This so-called changing timetable for adulthood has demoted 20-somethings to not quite adults just when they need to engage the most. College and the 20s have become a sort of Las Vegas in the life cycle, a time when our choices aren't real and what we do doesn't count. 20-somethings have been caught in a swirl of hype and misunderstanding, much of which has trivialized what is actually the most defining decade of our adult lives. Popular culture has an almost obsessive focus on the 20s, such that these freebie years appear to be all that exist. Childhood celebrities and everyday kids spend their youth acting 20, while mature adults and the real, the real housewives dress and are sculpted to look 29. The young look older and the old look younger, collapsing the adult lifespan into one long 20-something ride. This is a contradictory and dangerous message. We're led to, to believe that the 20-something years don't matter, yet with the glamorization of and near obsession with the 20s, there is little to remind us that anything else ever will. This causes too many young men and women to squander the most transformative years of their adult lives, only to pay the price in decades to come. 21st century 20-somethings have grown up alongside the dot-com craze, the supersized years, the housing bubble, the Wall Street boom. Adults of all ages failed to do the math, and they fell into what psychologists call unrealistic optimism, the idea that nothing bad will ever happen to you. Now 20-somethings have been set up to be another bubble ready to burst. Inside my office, I have seen the bust. The Great Recession and its continuing aftermath have left many 20-somethings feeling naive and even devastated. 20-somethings are more educated than ever before, but a smaller percentage find work after college. About a quarter of 20-somethings are out of work and another quarter work only part-time. 20-somethings who do have paying jobs earn less than their 1970s counterparts when adjusted for inflation. About one in eight go back home to live with mom or dad, at least in part because salaries are down and college debt is up, with the number of students owing more than $40,000 having increased tenfold in the last 10 years. Every day I work with 20-somethings who feel horribly deceived by the idea that their 20s were gonna be the best years of their lives. People imagine that to do therapy with 20-somethings is to listen to the adventures and misadventures of carefree people, and there is some of that. But behind closed doors, my clients have unsettling things to say. I feel like I'm in the middle of the ocean, like I could swim in any direction, but I can't see land on any side, so I don't know which way to go. I feel like I have to just keep hooking up and see what sticks. I didn't know I'd be crying in the bathroom at work every day. My sister is 35 and single. I'm terrified that's going to happen to me. I'd better not still be doing this at 30. Last night I prayed for just one thing to be certain. 
There are 50 million 20-somethings in the United States, most of whom are living with a staggering, unprecedented amount of uncertainty. Many have no idea what they'll be doing, where they'll be living, or who they will be with in two or ten years. They don't know when they'll be happy or when they'll be able to pay their bills. They wonder if they should be photographers or lawyers or bankers. And they don't know whether they're a few dates or many years away from a meaningful relationship. But even more compelling than my sessions with struggling 20-somethings are my sessions with the earliest Twixters, the now 30-somethings and 40-somethings who wish they'd done some things differently. We may hear that 30 is the new 20, but recession or not, when it comes to work and love and the brain and the body, 40 is definitely not the new 30. Many 20-somethings assume that life will come together quickly after 30, and maybe it will, but it is still going to be a different life. We imagine that if nothing happens in our 20s, we've left all of our options open for our 30s. We think that by avoiding decisions now, we can do anything we want later. But not making choices is a choice all the same. When a lot has been left to do, there is enormous 30-something pressure to get ahead, get married, pick a city, make money, buy a house, enjoy life, go to graduate school, start a business, get a promotion, save for college and retirement, and have two or three children in a shorter period of time. Many of these things are incompatible, and as the research is just starting to show, simply harder to do all at the same time in our 30s. Life does not end at 30, but it does have a categorically different feel. A spotty resume that used to reflect 20-something freedom suddenly seems suspect and embarrassing. A good first date leads not so much to romantic fantasies about the one as it does to calculations about the soonest time marriage and a baby might happen. It is realizing that doing something later is not automatically the same thing as doing something better. Too many smart, well-meaning 30-somethings and 40-somethings grieve a little as they face a lifetime of catching up. They look at themselves and at me sitting across the room and they say about their 20s, what was I thinking? What was I doing? When we think about child development, we all know that the first five years are a critical period for language, attachment, and the brain, a time when our experiences have an inordinate impact on who we will become. What we hear less about, though, is that there's such a thing as adult development and that the 20s are that critical period for adulthood. Consider this. Two-thirds of lifetime wage growth happens in the first 10 years of a career. More than half of Americans are married or are dating or living with their future partner by age 30. The brain caps off its last growth spurt in our 20s. Personality changes more in our 20s than at any time before or after, and female fertility peaks at age 28. During our 20-something years, even a small shift can radically change where we end up in our 30s and beyond. It's an up-in-the-air and turbulent time, but if you can figure out how to navigate even a little bit, you can get further faster than at any other time in life. 
It is a pivotal time, a time when the things you do and the things you don't do will have an enormous effect across years and even generations to come. Here are five simple ways that you or the 20-something in your life can change his or her course starting this year or even today. Number one, know the strength of weak ties. I once had a fortune cookie that says, a wise man makes his own luck. Perhaps the single best thing anyone of any age can do to make his or her own luck is to tap into what is called the strength of weak ties. The 20-something years are portrayed as a time when you mostly huddle together with your best friends or your urban tribe. But you are hearing it from me today, the urban tribe is overrated. 20-somethings are in almost constant communication with the same few people. But those who cluster together with like-minded peers limit who they know, what they know, how they speak, how they think, and ultimately where they work. Here's why. In research that predates Facebook by more than 25 years, sociologist and Stanford professor Mark Granovitter conducted one of the first and most famous studies of social networks. Granovitter was curious about how networks foster social mobility about how the people in our lives lead to new opportunities. Surveying workers in a Boston suburb who had recently changed jobs, Grenoveter found it wasn't close friends and family who were most helpful during the job hunt. Rather, more than three quarters of new jobs had come from leads from contacts who were seen only occasionally or rarely. This finding led Grenoveter to write a groundbreaking paper titled The Strength of Weak Ties, about the unique value of people we do not know well. Weak ties are the people we've met or are loosely connected to somehow. Maybe they're the professors we rarely talk to or our old roommate's cousin we recognize but are afraid to greet. Or they are our former employers or those acquaintances we keep meaning to go out with but never do. Weak ties give us access to something fresh because they're not just figures in an already ingrown crowd, they know things and people that we don't know. New information, new opportunities, even new people to date almost always come from outside the inner circle. Weak ties are like bridges you cannot see all the way across, so there's no telling where they may lead. Research shows that our social networks narrow as we age, as careers and families become busier and more defined. So this is the time to be connecting, not just with the same old people having the same old conversations about how work is lame or there are no good men out there, but with those who might see things a little differently. In an era when it is so easy to stay in your room or apartment and get class notes online and communicate with mentors only over email, Woody Allen has never been more right on with his comment that 80% of life is showing up. Number two, beware of the Starbucks phase. Psychologist Eric Erickson was ahead of his time when in 1950 he coined the term identity crisis. At a time when adult roles were as ready-made as TV dinners, he felt that a true and authentic identity should not be rushed. He advocated for a period of delay when youth could safely explore 
without real obligation. For some, this period was college. For others, such as Erickson, it was a personal walkabout. Either way, he stressed the importance of coming into one's own. But as the concept of the identity crisis caught on in the United States, Erickson himself warned against spending too much time in disengaged confusion. He was concerned that too many young people were in danger of becoming irrelevant. Again, he was ahead of his time. Now we know that the longer it takes young adults to get their footing and work, the more likely they are to become, as one journalist put it, different and damaged. Research on 20-somethings shows that those who were underemployed for as little as nine months tend to be more depressed and less motivated than their peers. And 20-something unemployment is associated with drinking and depression in middle age, even after becoming regularly employed. I have watched 20-somethings drag out their identity crises as they drag themselves through years of underemployment, all the while becoming too tired and too alienated to look for something better. Their dreams seem increasingly distant as people treat them like the name tags that they wear. Recognize that not all underemployment is the same. I always advise 20-somethings to take the job with the most identity capital. Identity capital is our collection of personal assets. These are the things that we do that add value to who we are. Some identity capital goes on a resume, such as degrees or internships, jobs or clubs or test scores. Some identity capital is more personal, such as where we're from or how we present ourselves online or even how we write an email. Most important, identity capital is what we bring to the adult marketplace. It's what we use to metaphorically purchase jobs and other things that we want. 20-somethings who take the time to explore, but who also earn capital along the way, construct stronger identities. They have higher self-esteem and are more persevering and realistic. This path to identity is associated with a host of positive outcomes, including a clearer sense of self and greater life satisfaction. For most of us, careers are made out of a couple of door-opening pieces of identity capital, so I always tell my clients to be sure they're earning some. Interviewers are going to lean forward and say, I want to hear more about UVA or your internship at the NIH or your time at Teach for America, but no one is going to start off a job or a grad school interview by saying, so tell me about working at a coffee shop. Number three, know that the 20-something brain is an opportunity and not a handicap. Last month in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article titled, Delayed Development, Blame the 20-something Brain. The article rested on the fact that the frontal lobe, the part of the brain where we do things like plan for the future and tackle questions that don't have black and white answers such as, what should I do with my life? does not reach full maturity until sometime during our 20s. The science is correct, but unfortunately, this fact about the late maturing frontal lobe has been misinterpreted in the popular press as a directive for 20-somethings to wait around for their brains to grow up. Then somehow they'll know all the answers, then life will be certain. 
So, but rather than learning to tolerate uncertainty, 20-somethings are left waiting for a certainty that is never going to come. Dumbing down college in the 20s is no way to go. The young adult brain is still developing, but that doesn't mean 20-somethings can't start their lives or get through a tough day without calling their mom or their dad. Far from being an irrelevant downtime, our 20s are a developmental sweet spot that comes only once. Because our 20s are the capstone of the brain's last growth spurt, they are, as one neurologist said, a time of great risk and great opportunity. The post-20-something brain is still plastic, of course, but never again in our lifetime will it be so easy to learn new things. In a use-it-or-lose-it fashion, the frontal lobe connections we use in our 20s are preserved and quickened, and those we don't use just waste away through pruning. In neuroscience, this is known as survival of the busiest. As neurons that fire together wire together, the classes we take, the jobs we have, the skills we practice, and even the company we keep are wiring our frontal lobes for adulthood. And these same frontal lobes, in turn, are making our decisions in the workplace and on Saturday nights. Back and forth it goes as work and life and the brain knit together in our 20s to make us into the adults we will become. Number four. Whatever it is you want to change about yourself, the 20s are the time to change it. For many years, there's been a spirited debate amongst personality researchers about whether people change after 30. Numerous studies have shown that, relatively speaking, we don't. That after 30, our thoughts and feelings and behaviors remain incredibly stable. Those who are extroverted keep on being extroverted. Those who are conscientious keep on being conscientious. But there is still some disagreement about exactly how much people don't change. One side says, barring interventions or catastrophic events, personality traits appear to be essentially fixed after 30. The other side is more optimistic, holding out for change, albeit small in magnitude. Whether after 30 we can expect to change a bit or not at all, what all sides of the post-30 debate have recently come to agree on is something that many clinicians have known all along, that our person personalities change more during our 20s than any time before or after. This is big news because conventional wisdom tells us that childhood is when our personalities are on the move. There's the Jesuit maxim, give me the child until he's seven and I'll give you the man. Freud's theory of personality development ended at puberty. We now know that our 20s are our best chance for change. I have seen 20-somethings move from socially anxious to socially confident enough or get beyond years of childhood unhappiness in a relatively short period of time. And because these changes are happening just as careers and relationships are being decided, these same small shifts can lead to very different lives. Positive personality changes come from what researchers call getting along and getting ahead. Feeling better doesn't come from avoiding adulthood. It comes from investing in adulthood. So my advice, based on the research and on a decade of clinical experience with 20-somethings, is this. If you want to be a happier and more confident person at any age, but especially in your 20s, engage with life, engage with your relationships, and get the best job that you can.
A great job or career may seem elusive, especially in your 20s, but even working towards these things make us happier. 20-somethings who experience even some academic or workplace success are more confident and positive and responsible than those who do not. And even simply having goals can make us happier and more confident both now and later. In one study that followed nearly 500 young adults from college to the mid-30s, increased goal-setting in college led to greater purpose, mastery, and agency, and well-being in the 30s. Goals have been called the building blocks of personality, so it is worth considering that who you will be 10 years down the line is being built out of the goals you are setting for yourself today. And last, but far from least, number five, pick your family and not just your friends. We've all heard the saying, you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends. That may have been true growing up, but very soon, most 20-somethings will pick their families when they marry or partner with someone and create families of their own. Whatever your age, if you want to have it all, you're going to need to partner well. Today's young adults spend more time single than any generation in history. Most will spend years on their own, somewhere between their childhood homes and families of their own. Currently, the average age for first marriage is 26 for women and 28 for men, with more than half of, Amer half of Americans marrying over the age of 25. Popular magazines portray 20-something culture as dominated by singles who are almost obsessed with avoiding commitment. But behind closed doors, I hear a different story. I have yet to meet a 20-something who doesn't want to get married or at least find a committed relationship, usually sooner rather than later. The clients with fast-paced lives or high-profile jobs just feel compelled to whisper about it. It seems too conventional, or at least politically incorrect, to be strategic about such things, such as love and family. We seem to believe that relationships are completely out of our control. But even though marriage may seem almost irrelevant to someone in their 20s, most 20-somethings, male, female, gay, or straight, will be married or partnered or dating or living with their partner within 10 years' time. Unfortunately, many of, the many of my clients willingly have low criteria or no criteria relationships because they don't think that who they date matters. But dating down can be dangerous because besides creating bad habits and low expectations, suddenly that person we never had any intention of staying with starts to look better than starting over, especially as the engagement notifications on Facebook start popping up. I tell my 20-something clients, don't be fooled into thinking that doing something later in and of itself is going to be the same as doing something better. Use these in-between years to direct not just your sexuality, that's the easy part, but your relationships as well. It's never too early to be as ambitious about love as you are about work or school. I'm going to end my talk this morning in the same way I end my book, by talking about a sign on the side of the road. There is a sign just outside of Rocky Mountain National Park that reads in big, bold letters, Mountains Don't Care. 
It is a sign about preparedness, and it goes on to educate mountain goers about lightning and avalanches and proper equipment. I was about 25 years old when I first saw this sign. It was scary, but I remember liking it immediately. It meant something to me that the sign was just telling it the way that it is. It was reminding me that when I went into the wilderness, I had to know what I was getting into, and I had to be ready. If I got caught on a peak in a late afternoon lightning storm, it wasn't going to matter whether I meant to get off the mountain sooner or even whether I was a really nice person. Adulthood is sort of like that. There are things that just are what they are. So the smartest thing to do is to know as much about them as you can. In one way or another, almost every 20-something client I have wonders, will things work out for me? The uncertainty behind that question is what makes 20-something life so difficult, but it's also what makes 20-something action so possible and so necessary. It's unsettling to not know the future, and in a way, even more daunting to consider that what we are doing with our 20-something years may be determining it. It's almost a relief to imagine that these years aren't real and that our 20-something jobs and relationships don't count. But a career spent studying adult development tells me this is far from true. And years of listening closely to clients and students tells me that deep down, 20-somethings want to be taken seriously, and they want their lives to be taken seriously. They want to know that what they do matters, and it does. The future isn't written in the stars. There are no guarantees. So claim your adulthood, be intentional, Get to work, pick your own family, make your own certainty. Don't be defined by what you didn't know or didn't do. You're deciding your life right now. Thank you.